I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. Welcome back for part two of Sunday's Offline. The most common feedback I've had about season one was how intimate the conversations have felt. Some of you told me it was like you were sitting right there with us. Incredible and the exact experience I wanted you to have while listening to Offline. Part of my ambition was and is to support and champion the women behind our favorite Instagram accounts. Talented, hardworking businesswomen who are doing so much more than curating Instagram feeds. They are pioneering new definitions of success. I wanted to try and hold space for their stories and to give them an honest platform to share their true selves and the experiences that have shaped them. So today we're here to do it all again. Please join me in welcoming some of season one's amazing guests, Carmen Hamilton, Zoe Marshall, Chloe Brinklow, Sarah Crampton, Billy Iverson, and Eleanor Pendleton. That obviously wasn't in order of where they're sitting. We're gonna keep it loose. (laughs) Um, I have some really great questions that many of you sent in um, to ask, so thank you for that but I'd first love to understand and hear your reflections on your offline episode, because they've all been quite varying and I know I get a lot of incredible feedback. So I guess, what was it like listening back, which is complete torture? Um, And then also, yeah, what did you hear afterwards and what did you think? And I'll start with you, Miss Pendleton. Um, Mrs. Wilson. (laughs) Go for both. Um, definitely hearing it back was terrifying. It was scary, um, to say the least. And I think the reason for that is because our conversation, in a nutshell, was intense. Yeah. Like, that's the only, I think that's the perfect word um, yeah. for what our conversation was. And I I think I went to your house at, like, 3 in the afternoon and I left at, like, 8.30 at yeah. night. I was like, I need to get back to the Northern I Beaches. Know. Well, Matt was, like, frantically <laughs> calling. And you're like, like, we're all good. Where are you? Um, and that's because we, w- we spoke for hours and hours afterwards, um, obviously. But I felt like we were so connected mm. in that conversation. And, like, you're such a beautiful interviewer. And I think because you're our friend as mm. well... Um, the space that I was in, in your home, felt so safe. Mm. So I was opening up and saying things that I don't say to even people who are really, really close in my life. And I think I even said in the interview, I don't know why I'm telling you this. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, bleh, just came out. Um, But I think, yeah, when I look back on it, 
and the the feedback has been amazing obviously incredible um, it just we felt really connected mm. and i feel like i walked away from that conversation and i had given you a part of me and mm. you'd given me a part of you yeah mm. try not to cry <laughs> so good so, so good. good um hmm i don't actually know how I'm here with these amazing... No, and I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for that. I mean in the way of, you know, I thought offline was for these uber, like, famous Instagram, amazing powerhouse women. And then I was like, Alison, I want to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) And we um, sat down. You're like, just give it a go. And we had this chat... And what was really fascinating was you have an army of women that just adore you. Oh, this is like the Alison show. (laughs) (laughs) And they never knew anything about me because they Mm. follow different paths. So they got, I guess, a little glimpse into other areas of your life and Mm -hmm. that allowed them to introduce me into that world. Um, And that was really cool, was these women that we probably never would have connected with saying I didn't know who Zoe was, but that was really fascinating or interesting. I'm not trying to, that sounds really weird coming (laughs) out of my mouth. Um, No, it's true. And I would say like, when I'm with you, and I would say this for everyone, we don't really, we're not on Instagram when we're together as well. You know, so anytime I've hung out with you, I haven't, I mean, sometimes I put little Foxy up. Yeah, Foxy's great. He's good content. (laughs) He gets a lot of likes. He does. Um, That's not the reason you should post your child. (laughs) And I think what I got from this, hearing it back, I think one of the first things I said to you was, did I just rush it? Because I've told a lot of people my story before. I thought, did I just kind of run through those really intense, awful, traumatic episodes in my life did I not give it enough space Mm. and you said no I think that it was okay because sometimes those really traumatic moments in our lives that shape us to be able to go back into them you rush through them because they're very um, hard to go through Um, and also you you and I got a lot of feedback on the spirituality thing which I just said to her I just don't think this we should just edit all that stuff out because that's really woo-woo and this is not your audience. <laughs> and you were like, no, I think it is. I think they're very woo-woo. <laughs> and um, I guess I don't just put myself in that spiritual kind of um, classification, I guess, but I'm really willing to be open, especially when you were sharing today. I thought that was really powerful, that part of you sharing where you're at. And if that doesn't resonate or connect with you, right now i truly believe that that planting that seed today Mm. for so many of you in the room is going to start really interesting conversations and reading different books and things so what was the question great (laughs) great i love the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i do have a problem with that opener with like i was going to kill myself i was just like whoa I said that. I was like, do you really want to put that out there Mm. first? But she knows best. And actually, I will say on that, like the the edit, I've really tried to be so careful with like what parts of that conversation do I know you weren't maybe 100% wanting to have, but then we had it. And how do I not lead with something that will seem quite sensationalist in a way? 
but then with you, because you've done so much work getting from that point to here, mm. you know, I had that thing where I was like, it's okay. It's okay, yeah. you know? Thank God you didn't lead with the Kanye. Um, At yeah. the end where Thank you were like, God. basically, I'm Kanye. <laughs> yeah, better. Um, uh, if you haven't heard the episode, it's a good one. <laughs> um, and moving on. <laughs> and so our episode, we obviously recorded on your bed in New York. And it was lovely having you. It was so nice. And she saged the house in the room. We had all of our crystals down. Um, I took on way too much that day as I usually do. So I was like, I've got a hard stop at two. <laughs> got to go. And I think about that a lot, actually, because I think we could have spoken for a lot longer. Um, but I had a dumb meeting after that. Of I course, when you lintrolled me to get out. Um, yeah, so a bit of context on that one. But it was actually really emotional being in your room, I think. Because remember, I cried pretty much straight up front. <laughs> and I was like, alrighty, set the tone. <laughs> oh, it's an emotional place. <laughs> and other people cry there as well. Um, I think when I listened to my episode, the first thing I did was text my mum. And because I spoke <coughs> a lot about how much I value my family and friends, but particularly I spoke a lot about my dad and how much of an impact he had on my life. And I was like, oh my God, my poor mum. And um, so I you know, put together a text to her and then called her and she was like, oh my God, don't be silly. So excited, so proud, da da da. Um, but then on the episode as a whole, I think, the same way I felt sitting here and watching you just be this incredible woman that you are. My God, when you I guys don't have to do this. No, <laughs> I'm, but it is the Alison show. Like, <laughs> come on, just <laughs> embrace oh it. God, yeah. But I really am proud to call you a friend. And I think listening to our conversation, it was kind of like getting a bird's eye view on this incredible relationship that I value so much. Mm. And then also being able to share you know, our experiences and how we've, you know, connected mm. with other people. I just, it felt really special and joyous. Yeah. And a lot of pride. Yeah. That oh, I get to thank call you. all of you women my friends yeah. and colleagues. And yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Next. <laughs> and that's the thing is like this only happened through intense trust. And I had those nights <coughs> where I would say to Tony like, what am I doing and what am I asking them for? And, and do I have permission to ask these questions? And because I know you'll say yes. And so it's like the heaviness of that too, to say like, I'll, and I mean that when I want to say, I want to hold the stories because where else can we tell them? Because if Instagram's become more of a business and there's a certain, I guess, persona that we have to put out in order to cultivate that business, at what point do you say things are hard or I'm struggling with this, like you can't just insert that stuff in on a random day, you know? So I'm hoping if anything, this is a place you can point people to be like, you want to know the rest? Go there, <laughs> you know? And then Billy, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, when I listened to it, it was, I mean, as you know, I don't open up that much <laughs> anyway. So the fact I did it was only because- A miracle. You're my friend. And, um, and I think that, you know, it, it, listening back when we first started, it was a bit like, oh God, why are you asking me questions? And then we really settled into it. And it was really nice talking about things that, you know, we don't, we don't touch on every day and normally, but we sort of talk about other things, but it was, um, yeah, it was really nice to listen back to. And I got a lot of great feedback from people who 
Well, most people are like, oh, my God, you spoke on a podcast. Who are you now? <laughs> um, and, yeah, so it was, you know, mm. most people just glad that they could hear a little bit more about what I do and all those sort of other things. So. Yes. Yeah. I was definitely, you were one of the ones I was most nervous to do. It was like interviewing your friend. And we don't really talk about work very much and stuff. So mm. um, I do, when I listen to us, I'm a bit awkward in the beginning. And then as we got to the second glass of wine, we yeah. really... We <laughs> 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 gas. <laughs> oh, Carmen. Hi. Hi. Um, so, I guess... Episode three. You were early. I know, and I didn't know... I hadn't heard any of the other episodes, so I had no idea what the questions were. And I'm the kind of person that shies away from public speaking. Um, that would have been definitely... That was my first podcast interview. But, like, whenever opportunities come up, I'm like, oh, no, 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 you don't want me. Um, <laughs> and so that was scary for me doing it and I think I remember I was in Milan when I um, listened to it and the first time I played it all I can hear is um 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 like 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 blah 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 so I kept like <laughs> pausing it drinking heaps of wine I was like, like <laughs> um and then I forced myself to listen to it again and I was like okay because people started saying to me like oh wow like that was really refreshing like I listened to your podcast episode so I was like okay maybe I need to give myself a little break and then yeah I think I said to you um, the main thing for me was like all the messages that I started getting from girls that had never connected before other than like amazing photo beautiful skirts started like sending me these novels being like thank you so much for sharing in this way and um, that was something I'd never really experienced before so I wanted to thank you for opening me up to um, that way of sharing. Mm. The public forum. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hi. Um, hi. <laughs> um, I just felt incredibly safe. Obviously, I'm always feeling safe with you. You are like a big hug whenever we catch up. So um, that's always the precedent when we hang out. Um, I'm always the first one on Sunday mornings to listen. I, I feel like I text you. you and she texts like me straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and so when I listened to mine, I was up in Byron, actually, and I crept into the other room and I just played it the sun was rising and I was just taking it all in. I was really proud of what we talked about. I don't think I went as deep into detail about things that I was talking about and that is a reflection of my privacy and yeah. sharing and all that kind of stuff. But um, I was really proud about the stuff we spoke at the end mm. about loving yourself. And yeah. I'm really proud that I have that with myself. So um, it was nice to share that. That's the biggest piece of feedback I've had about your episode is people when you said like be your own best friend and for me I was like yeah. oh yeah you know so um and I really valued you saying yes because you are so private and going into it I knew we're not going to go all the way down there you know I'm not going to cry in this one you know <laughs> this is a good thing but um I we covered such valuable topics and it's interesting because a lot of the questions I have for you are very sort of business focused and you shared some really great insight into starting the undone so and we're going to hit more of that today well thank you for that um i'll kick off into my questions we reckon we've got time for um two questions each so i'm just going to go one by one carmen you're actually up first um one of the questions sent in for you is working for yourself, do you enforce boundaries for work and personal? And then also what strategies do you have in place to handle it all, i.e. finances, deadlines, travel, and the pressure to succeed? <laughs> a long question. A very long question. Um, 
I would say there's probably two parts to this answer and it's um, when I first started doing what I do now, um, I was very, very different and I was quite young, very keen. I moved to Sydney and I was like, I'm here, I'm going to go get this. And my boyfriend worked away, um, so I had a lot of time at home to myself and I would go and do my full-time job all day um, and then I'd come home and I'd work well into the early hours of the morning and then probably have about four hours sleep and get up and do it all over again. And that worked for me for about three or four years until I um, hit a place that I didn't even see coming, but I had a very serious um, health issue come up. Um, so that going through that really changed um, everything for me, um, my perspectives on what matters in life and my career. Um, so it kind of really showed me, um, you know, when I was going through the whole process of this, I didn't realize, I was in shock and I didn't realize what it had done for me, but I'm actually really happy that it happened because, wow. um, yeah, it hugely changed me as a person and the way I see my work versus my personal life. So um, nowadays, you know, I'm a lot more mindful of that. And when I get to a place, my body just tells me like, stop. Um, Sometimes I can't listen because sometimes, you know, work calls. Um, but I I guess I have some little things like now that my boyfriend's working at home and not interstate, like I come home um, every day. I make sure I get home at the same time as him. We have our dinner. We watch our Netflix. I try to go to bed at the same time as him. Um, sometimes when they get home, they have a little cheese board and a wine. Oh, yeah. Oh, did I, I tell you so that? Cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to Tony, we could like start this thing where when we get, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cheese is the way to my heart. Um, and one. Um, yeah, so I guess um, stuff like that. And then, yeah, just I have to be really in tune with um, my body and not push it too far. And then I've got my mum who constantly calls me and reminds me of that like mm. probably three times a day. Um, so, yeah, I guess just stuff like that. And then uh, this year one of my resolutions um, is to try and do less and do it better. Um, so I'm trying to pull back a little bit and create space for other things in my life um, that I know need to happen. Um, yeah, I think that sums it up. <laughs> it does. We'll come out of the closet eventually, but we're working together a bit. So oh, I feel like we're like, should we just like talk about today. it? <laughs> um, Thank you. Chloe? Hi. Um, working in the creative industry comes with a specific, I can never say that right, specific type of pressure to be always on with creating and innovating. I definitely relate to this. Scrolling through Instagram and seeing everyone's work and newness can feel like we're not doing enough. How, do you, how have you dealt with that pressure? I think, and it's only something that I've probably started being really mindful of and, you know, dedicating time to, but doing things, I'm, I'm a really commercially driven person, like, I like making money, I like mm. creating and making money, mm. but I think giving yourself space to do things that have nothing to do with a paycheck, creatively, um, mm. is the best thing that you can do for progress than for the work that you do do. Um, so, I don't know, me and my best friend Luke Shabolt, who is an incredible photographer, will often like set a topic that we both have to research and then we'll get together and like share our viewpoints and it might be about like the afterlife or, I don't know, 
the ocean or I don't know, things like that. Um, also like witty text banter. Mm. Like that is kind of creativity and work. Like I went on a date with this guy from Raya who's a stand-up comedian and we've just started writing Bogan Erotica. He's American. <laughs> so <laughs> but it's like amazing wow. creative outlet and I get so much enjoyment out of writing ridiculous <laughs> things about Bogan Erotica. So that's how I deal with the pressure, just really light-hearted. <laughs> and next. That's why I love you. Um, Zoe, I had an enormous amount of feedback after your episode that women wanted more of the spirituality. Remember when we were like... That's so hard to believe. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, so what spiritual practices do you draw on? And then how has being a spiritual person impacted your life and... I added that bit to the end myself, actually, because I think a lot of time we talk about spirituality, but what does it actually do right. in your day to day? You know what I mean? And I think this is such an interesting question because you know how you've said the past six months, it's like you're really mm. on this path. It's, it happens. So, okay. Stay with me. I hit rock bottom and I had nowhere else to go but to God, universe, the angels, whatever you guys want to call it. It was that or it was drugs, men, I don't know, killing myself. So they were kind of, I think when you are really, really low in life, you have the options and I didn't want to die or do terrible things to myself. So I looked, I became a seeker. And that's what I think mm. we can call you at the moment is like this seeker. And I'm still a seeker for the answers, for the truth, for what is next, what does it mean? How do I stop feeling so horrific all of the time? How can I have boundaries? How can I create healthy relationships? So the first thing was, because I was trapped in a hotel room in Los Angeles with a very, very severely abusive partner that... Oh, shit, I forgot this was on the podcast too. <laughs> As in we talk about it? Edit. Um, it's hard. It's legal. But... Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so you're in LA. So, I mean, no, we're not there. We're in Singapore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just follow me. And um, my mum has passed away very recently and I don't know what to do. I don't have access to money. I don't have access to friends. I don't have access to a phone. And so I found a book, You Can Heal Your Life. Have you read it? I haven't. Okay. Have you, anyone read it? Yeah, a couple of you. So it's really basic entry stuff on how we treat ourselves, affirmations, how we talk to ourselves. Um, a little bit of manifestation and visualization, but not a lot. Anyway, it was my first step and I was like, I'm... I'm in a really bad place, but I'm going to get out of it because I love myself and I don't know what that even means, but I'm going to practice that. And then it escalated to getting the strength to leave that relationship and rebuild my life. So I did workshops. Like I was so hungry to get to feel better and to survive. I did everything. So I did these really crazy like seven day cathartic workshops where you go in a hall and I'm telling you there are crazy people there and you're all locked in and you're not allowed to talk to each other until you go into these like massive 
meditations and there is screaming and someone's dancing naked in the corner and someone's throwing up in a bin there and you're just like, (laughs) 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 but you're like, you know what? I am committed to being great. And that workshop was probably one of the most profound things. I was so needing to grieve my mum and to grieve and forgive myself for being this horrific relationship that it, it gave me what I needed. And I kept going and I kept seeking therapists and I kept seeking psychic spiritual guides yeah. and Sulab. And to this day, I've created a practice. So getting to your point, mm. what does that look like? It is in everything. So the way that I talk to myself, I'm really conscious about that. And I think that as women especially and online, you have to become really responsible for the way that you treat yourself and the way you compare yourself and the people that you follow because they are your tribe. And I would really encourage everybody to go through tonight and if anyone brings up something for you, like you feel a bit like, ugh, at that image or looking at someone or you're comparing, like, delete. You have so much control over that. We can mute. Mute. You don't even have to offend them. Just mute them. Anyway, moving on. One step. Then meditation, and I know so many of the girls here do it, um, and I think it's really, whatever that means to you. I set my timer for 10 minutes and I'm in bed like I'm a lazy meditator. And I just breathe. And one of the biggest things is I hand it all over. I hand over. So what I want in the day, my goals, my aspirations, my needs, my wants are irrelevant. And I hand that over to God. So I just give it all up. And I'm there. I'm its vessel to use me however it wants to use me in the day. So that's something that's an intention I put in. And then after that 10 minutes is up, I manifest. And oh my God. <laughs> my life from where I was in that hotel room as a broken woman to where I am now my life is so beautiful I have this beautiful little baby and I have this amazing husband Um, and it's really hard to look back and go You know, that was maybe 10, 12 years ago and just go, wow, like, my life is really beautiful. And some of it's simple. Um, A lot of it is simple. And I really love not being scared to wake up in the morning, that no one's going to hit me, that I have money I can access without having to ask somebody, that I have this little person that just brings me all this joy, that I have great work, that I have choice. But I truly put that down to manifesting. Um, and being in touch with a higher power that's bigger than me. And um, there are so many ways, and I'm so open to sharing that because I know we need to move on, but if anybody out there that you're interested, we have so many resources, Mm. like we're building our tribe, and we talk about this guy, Sulab, who is a palm reader. (laughs) Amanda's changed Sulab's life. (laughs) Sulab's going to get so busy. Um, But we have a tribe of people that whatever, if you have a health ailment, if you are looking for job direction, if you're wanting to get in touch with your spirituality, we have a smorgasbord amongst Mm. us to help um, if you're interested. Um, But it is a part of my everyday life. Like yesterday, I called Alice and I needed help so bad with a big decision. A bird flew in my window in my home. 
<laughs> it was. You don't even that know. Last my oh my god! And it shits everywhere, and it's like really causing a kerfuffle. And I'm thinking of the germs because I'm so OCD on that. And I have the baby in my arm, and I'm like, what the fuck? It was Monday. Did it happen? Oh my god! It happened to me this week. And I'm telling you, it's an omen, sister. It is. What's so, that bird doing in there? Yeah, right. So they're all around you. And like you said, the destructors mm. or whatever they are, they will get you until you're ready and willing to listen. So mm. spirituality, I didn't want to share too much on the podcast. Now it's all out there. But um, yes, <laughs> if you guys just want to get in touch, I'm so willing and wanting to share. So mm. there you go. Thank you. Very long. Amazing. No, you're amazing. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> the nickname we don't say publicly that I did. <laughs> um, this is, I think, a good segue into um, you talking a little bit more about Vedic meditation, which I had a question, somebody sent a question for you on it. What impact has it had on your life in a practical sense? And there was a comment that a lot of successful people seem to meditate. And I actually, before I started, I was, everyone seemed to say that they did it. And I'm like, who's got time, you know? And then I guess what I learned is until you're taught, how would you even know really what you're doing? But then maybe if you talk a little bit about how maybe Vedic is different to other forms of Laying meditation as well. Yeah. Well, yours just one I do my, in my bed too <laughs> yeah. sometimes. And just how it's um, um, impacted your life. Yes. Yeah. So I guess I, I learned from two different people. And I first learnt Vedic, which, again, I'm not really a spokesperson for Vedic meditation. No, but it has they're all going to write in and be like, stop talking about that. <laughs> and stop using the wrong words and whatever. But it's everyone's own experience. So when I first um, learnt, it was when I was really stressed at work. And, you know, when you're young and you're sort of thinking you can do everything, like you said, and you think that your body will just kind of just keep rolling with you and it doesn't. Um, and so I first learnt from Gary Goro, who is an amazing teacher, and the, the initial impact it had for me was purely from a stress level, like things would come up at work or things would happen with friends and my, my sort of, um, the way that I responded to that was completely different to how it had been previously, which everyone in my life who was close to me commented on, just, you know, just things were just like, it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll work out and now my team hate me because you know I'm like it'll be fine <laughs> it'll work out and they're like no but the cover's this and you know the fashion hasn't turned off and I'm like it'll be fine it'll work out um but I think and then and I like there's no magazine yeah I know, and I'm like it'll be fine it'll work out I've, I've, I've done a few runs around the sun now but um so and then when I re-sat with Jackie from the broad place I think the sec like re-sitting again and I think what she said was meditation is like exercise you know there's a different, you've got to find what you like and whether that's using an app or sitting in bed and, and gratitude or, and whether it's Vedic, which is 20 minutes twice a day with a mantra, um, finding what you like and how you use it. I don't do it every day. You're supposed to do it every day, twice a day. I use it as a tool when I need to. I use it when I travel. I find it really helpful when I travel. It sort of is, is quite grounding. Um, and I think the other thing apart from just a purely stress and how you respond to stress is I I think it, it, it what you spoke to briefly on your thoughts are not you it, it very much helps you sort of um, mm. click into that and it also I found helps you click into people's energies so 
knowing yourself better and therefore knowing who you want to be around and who you don't want to be around mm. and you know sometimes that's really hard with work but knowing boundaries that you can put up with certain people and certain energies is is the main impact that it's had for me and I found it really um, you know I don't I don't talk about it all the time because I think a lot of people do do it but I think finding mm. the, the, the the one that works for you or the meditation that works for you can be really powerful mm. yeah. thank you Sarah, you a little mic down there. Um, one of the questions that came in for you was how did you overcome the fear of failing when it came to starting your own business and taking such a big financial risk? Mm. And I'll say I'm so there right now where it's like how much do you put in? How long do you wait to see a return mm. and then there's so much of me that wants to withdraw so I don't have to deal with the fear, like the feeling of not make, like making it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the same with my blog and with the store, I was never scared to start because of failure. I started both of those things because it felt right and I was so passionate about it. Mm. So I'm in a good place where that was never a barrier, but then you have this constant little things where you have to keep this now business alive mm. and there's a fear obviously of it not working out but stats say it probably won't work out mm. and I have to be really comfortable with that um, but I've definitely learned through that process that I'm a very positive person and I put that energy where it should be mm. and I've had a lot of people in the business at the business whatever be negative and I've had to then push through that energy and that was the toughest thing I had to do was tell those people you are wrong mm. I believe in this 100% I'm going to prove to you that this will work and you just have to keep on digging deep into that spot space really to get the energy out of there because it should not be there and if those people are there they need to go or that yeah. you have to just get get it out because mm. you can't live with that energy and mm. um, you just have to yeah that's what I recommend is making sure that you are so comfortable in that space where mm. you really believe in it. And everyone that's there, you know, is there for the right yeah. reasons because that's what's so powerful. And I felt that we had this at Alua with our team. It's like when everybody is on the boat, what you can achieve is endless. With, quite frankly, no fucking budget, everyone being overworked, you know, but because we're all there for the same reason, and I so relate to that having managed teams. And when you get that bad egg, you're like, oh, damn, damn. Because <laughs> you know as a manager what you have to go through then with that person. And that's what I found very difficult because that's a process, right? Mm -hmm. And entering into that process says also just a lot of paperwork. <laughs> and you're like, I've got really cool things I want to be doing, yeah. you know. But in a management position, you often get stuck doing that admin. And it's a bit people admin too, and I've had it done to me also through managers. But it's like one thing I learned was the moment you spot it, and we do pretty quickly, you think, oh, maybe you're just well, having you a bad know, day. you don't know, but it's in your gut. Right, you so you just feel it. it's acting on it straight away because I've been guilty of leaving it too long and then the team, <laughs> you know, because the whole thing can come crumbling down, you know, if you sort of have those people breeding negativity in other people that are otherwise positive as well. And even people that you really love and you have to convince oh, the them. And like yeah. getting through that, 
making sure that you can still be friends and still be like on the same team after yes. that as well. We're just getting yeah. that energy out. Yeah. Not the person sometimes, it's just the energy. Yeah, it's very true. Um, Eleanor, mm. we're going to stick on a little bit of um, career and business actually. One of the questions that came in for you was what advice do you have for women dealing with competitiveness from female peers mm -hmm. um, and that we're programmed to climb the ladder and smash through the glass ceiling but that that can often create really underhanded behaviour mm. between women. And that's so true, right, is if we all want that one job, there should be more of the jobs, eh? That's the point of, you know, trying to get equality at leadership and inside yeah. businesses. And maybe that speaks to itself, you know, when you're a bit younger, you know, when you're in your early 20s or so and you're climbing that ladder and that's all you can think about. Um, I mean, in my own office, the culture I've tried to create is one that I've, I've created from my past experiences. So my previous places of employment, I've worked at some amazing magazines where, you know, you'd walk into work every day and it was fun and, um, you know, you would learn and you would be supported and you would be given, um, you know, <laughs> praise for your work. And then I've worked in, you know, places of employment where you don't have any of that. Mm. You know, you're lucky if you get told you've done mm. a good job. And I think um, there was this, like, significant moment when I was working at InStyle magazine and my grandmother, my, so my mum's mum, she um, had suffered a stroke. So I found out just one night and then the next morning I got onto a plane and I flew to Queensland to be with her and be by her bedside. Oh my God. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> we shouldn't have sat close to each I'm other. I'm such a prior to. <laughs> um, so she, my gran grandmother went into palliative care for she went into palliative care for about seven, eight days. She was such a strong woman. And the first and second day, I didn't think about work. I just emailed them and I said, look, this is what has happened. I can't come in, obviously. Um, and the first two days, all I could think about was her. By the third day, which is pretty soon in the process, mm. the guilt kicked in. Mm. And that's when I was like, shit, I've taken three days of work. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how long my, my grandmother's going to take to pass. Mm. And that was a horrible time mm. to be thinking or feeling oh guilt mm. for About something like that, mm. for a job. So anyway, that happened. Mm. Um, and my grandmother did pass very peacefully. And um, then the, the horrible logistics of, oh my God, sorry. <laughs> so fine. Um, the horrible logistics of planning a funeral. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. So all up, I had two weeks off work. And I just remember thinking, this is fucking awful mm. that I feel so much guilt, guilt to my to my work, to my bosses. And I shouldn't, mm. you know? And I think that was a, a moment for me where I realised I want to create a beautiful workplace mm. where my team, first of all, have flexibility. Mm. If they want to work from home, they can bloody work from home because they'll do their job. Um, that they have the flexibility of hours and that if anything happens in life, because things happen in life, whether it's something as awful and tragic as that or, you know, if their little boy is sick or whatever it might be, that there's zero guilt. Yeah. They should be able to, as women, <laughs> I should have had that before, <laughs> as women, I think it's really important um, that we're given that. Mm. That's a right, I think, mm. you know, we should be given that. Um, and... 
some, so I guess my previous experiences of working in publishing have taught me that I, I'm, a, I'm a really strong and I'm a smart woman and I'm committed to innovation and to creating for my audience, but I also really want to be an empathetic and mm. kind leader. And Megan Larson, who is the founder of Sadashi, is yes. such a beautiful, beautiful pioneer. And I think she's someone I really look to because I think we need more people like her yeah. in the world totally. who can create those spaces for mm. women. Yeah, I think that's really important. But at the end of the day, I've only learned from my mm. previous good and bad, bad experiences. experiences. I totally relate to that. It's like Sorry. my very worst managers have taught me how to be a great leader. Yeah. Because it's like, well, I'm just going to do nothing that you did. <laughs> so yeah. thank you, because I won't go down any of those paths. You know, but I think it's so true. And we need to get more women, quite frankly, like us, into leadership that can um, invite and encourage emotion, you know, and emotional depth in business because... Because emotion is not weakness. No. And I think that there's a stigma around that mm. within the workplace and I, th I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> long answer. No, it's so good. Um, Carmen. So we had a question come in, which was interesting timing. Um, how are you thinking about your 30s and broadly your priorities? But you're 30 this month. 2nd of February. 2nd of February. Yes. So it's actually really good timing. Yes, it is. So how are you, um, and I, there was definitely, when I turned 30, I think everything shifted and changed for me priorities wise, but also the sense of knowing myself much better than I had in my 20s um, and different priorities in business and career as well. So how are you thinking about, I guess, the next chapter? I think we've definitely had this discussion before and um, you've told me the 30, your 30s are your best years because um, you really knew yourself. I think you mm -hmm. said you felt like you really came into your own, you knew who you were, you weren't trying to impress other people. Um, as I said before, I think what happened to me um, a couple of years ago with my health, um, I think maybe I experienced that a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, I haven't really <laughs> thought to my 30s, but we were just talking before and I was saying it's really interesting how um, all through your 20s, I feel like people, especially because I've been with my boyfriend for 12 years, like always asking me like, oh, so like, what's like, kind of like almost like, what's wrong? Like, are you <laughs> going to get married? And I'm like, yeah, like we're going to get married. Like he's been working interstate. We've barely spent any time together for the last five years. So let's just see how that goes when he moves back, first of all. And it's all going well. Um, and then and then now that I'm getting almost 30, it's like the question for me has shifted to like, oh, so like, do you want babies? And I'm like, oh, yes, like I want all these things. Mm. But like you can have all these plans. And my sister's going through this now because she's getting married and she's a bit older than me and she's starting to freak out about oh my God, I'm going to be infertile and all this sort of stuff. So she's like already told me basically, she's asking for the date of my wedding. I'm not even engaged because she wants to plan her pregnancy around so she can go overseas because I want to have a wedding overseas. And I'm like, how am I supposed to like, what, what do you mean? Like you can have a plan, but you can't guarantee that mm. things are going to go according to plan. So that's just, I, I'm trying, I guess for my 30s, not to put any of that pressure on myself. I know I want all of those things, but I'm going to take it um, as it comes like when I when I was young I, I in my head my ideal scenario was that by this time in my life right now I'd already have a multi-billion dollar business <laughs> I'd have a really amazing relationship and live in a beautiful house mm. on the water in Sydney this was like this was what I thought I needed before 
I thought I was ready in my head mm. to have a baby. Mm. And then now, I guess, again, going through what I went through, I'm like, the baby doesn't need the house on the water no. <laughs> to survive. And like, the baby doesn't need me to have a multi-billion dollar business. It probably would be not good for it if I did, because I'd never be there. Um, so I guess I'm getting comfortable with taking all that pressure off myself mm. and, um, as you mentioned, we're exploring some new things, mm. which I'm, you know, really excited about because it's completely going into the unknown and it's a new territory for me. And I think we both talked about this, but it's, you know, having this big dream, but we're not sitting here going, this must work and it exactly. must be the be all and end all. And mm. it's like, we're both doing it for reasons other than trying to get rich, mm. um, which I think in any business is like, you know, I think, and, and it's the same for us when we started our blog. It was like, we never started that thinking like, oh, I'm, this is my plan. I've got a clear business plan for how I'm going to get Insta famous and then get rich. Like, it was never <laughs> like that. It was like you just started posting outfits because you were loved fashion so much. And, like, so it came from that pure place. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> getting back to the question, um, I guess basically I'm trying to, like, as I said, do less, do it well, um, no kind of loosely things I'd like to achieve, but if they don't happen, like having babies, like mm. getting married, um, but if they don't happen, like you gotta be okay with that and just, I'm sort of taking it as it comes. That is really incredible advice. And I feel like I had the exact same thing where it's like, if I'm in this big job and I'm earning this salary, then I've got to buy the house before I can, you know, cause like now we're going, well, we'll just probably rent in Bondi forever. Let's be honest. like. Who can afford to buy in Bondi anyway these days? And then, you know, maybe if we have a baby in our tiny apartment, it'll just like roll around in the lounge room until it, to be confined. Yeah, until it can't do that anymore and then we'll figure it out from there. But it's like, that's like years away before I need to worry about that thing. You know, and what does my baby need? It needs me to be healthy, mentally stable and sound probably, <laughs> you know? So I think that's really incredible advice. And one of the questions I, was going to ask, but I've changed my mind, but we can talk about it quickly now, is this concept of having it all, you know? And I've always said, I do think you can have it all, but I don't think you can have it all at once. And really any woman who says, yeah, I mean, I've got, they're either deeply unhappy, very stressed. Not all of those things would be perfect and running well, I would say, you know? And it's that thing of like, I, I feel like, and this is especially for me, like when things, um, you know, you have all these things in your head that you think, well, I'll be happy when, it's that saying. And then you get there and you've got all those things, but then you don't even realise that you're looking for something else. So, mm. you know, no one ever has it all or feels that, I don't think I know anyone that's reached a point where they sit there and they go, okay, I'm happy now. Like, what, what's, like what's after that then? If mm. you've got it all and you're just sitting there, like, what's, do you know what I mean? What yeah. is there to kind of keep, you're just going to, I don't know. Mm. It's like, there's, I don't think having it all exists and as you say the people who put out there on Instagram and stuff that they do have it all um Instagram is a highlights reel so of people's lives and if they're oversharing a lot of that stuff and it kind of feels a bit gross I think it comes as you say from a place of they're mm. feeling like they need to do that for acceptance from self-validation yeah yeah other people or for, to create this persona that they're something mm. because they can't be themselves because they feel like that's not enough that's yeah. what i love so much about offline is that i feel you also gave us a, a, a 
platform to show that our lives aren't mm. perfect either. And, yeah. you know, yes, exactly like Carmen said, Instagram is a highlights reel, so mm. that's what we put out. Mm. Um, but we're also just people. Yeah. You know, everyone's got their shit. Mm. And that's what I've, that's what mm. I have personally loved so much mm. about your podcast. Oh, thank you. And, you know, watching you guys out on Instagram, but knowing what's really going on in your lives, that's when I feel the proudest of you because you're still pushing and producing and doing those client jobs and showing up for your jobs every day, even though you have all this stuff. So to be able to push through and put on a brave face and keep going, like I think that's very commendable because we can talk about as a highlights reel and is that serviceable? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But knowing you has been the joy of going, wow, you know, I know what happened to her last week and there she is showing up for that job, smiling in the outfit. We've all got to. Like, it, yeah. like, I just feel like that's just a thing is like women. Like mm. we, do, we get on with life, yeah. you know? We all do we it. We don't get that luxury, do we? Yeah. Mm. Just, you know? But one thing, can no. I say one thing I really struggle with, and I know we've discussed this because of the podcast when you got the negative feedback or whatever, but it's like those five how, comments. Well, <laughs> Only it's five. like <laughs> how real, like cause people are now saying, you know, when Instagram started, it was an insp like a platform of inspiration. Um, and then now it's all about the real and people want to see real life and, you know, and, and people are encouraging people to post like, you know, no, no makeup selfies and all that kind of thing. Um, but what I find I really struggle with is how much of you do you show uh, and how do you remain up? Because, you know, all these people that have followed me to this date, my content's highly curated, you know, it's like this luxury fashion lifestyle that I live every day. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I loaned this Chanel, I don't own it. Um, <laughs> Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like a constant sort of something I'm really struggling with at the moment is just how do I stay, you know, and, and I don't want to be contributing to anxiety. So I'm like, it's that where's the mm. sweet spot of being real but also being aspirational. Mm. How do you insert your stuff in as well? If yeah. you have the answer, come and chat. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Because I'm the opposite, right? I think I'm the one. That's why I didn't. I don't know why I'm here, but thank you. Is I do <laughs> the posts with the ugly crying, and I do the um, stuff that my husband says. You can't do that, and then it's too late. Then <laughs> you find it on like Daily Mail or something. Um, it's it's this beautiful dance, you know, between what we both do and neither is wrong and neither is right and every everyone gets something from it mm -hmm. and i think it is engaging with those people and going i mean it's so hard because we don't know if they're going to tell us the truth but what do people want like what do people resonate with mm -hmm. and it, it is going to change and i'm sure all of you know that that online social world is mm -hmm. going to evolve and move mm -hmm. and it's just like what do the people want because it is exhausting sometimes oversharing and it's exhausting, I'm sure, curating perfection. Mm -hmm. It's finding a place where you can be who you are and be accepted for mm -hmm. that, right? Totally. But we need everybody listening to be able to embrace that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? without judgment, yes. I think is exactly the thing. I'll tell you, um, <laughs> when I spoke with Lee about my miscarriage, 
and she shared her stories of loss, I felt so sick for days because I was like, how dare you put that in public forum? Like that's your story, that's Tony's story. You haven't really shared that with your family properly. Like how dare you do that, you know, have that nausea around and you were like, what did we talk about? Oh my God. I'll tell you, Talisa Sutton and I recorded a full episode that I can't air because I shared again, but I wasn't ready to share. And so when I listen to it back, I'm like, I can't stand behind this because I feel sick again. Mm -hmm. But then all of the work that I've done from that point to now, I can sit on the stage and have the conversation having spent more time processing it. So it's also like, I think I got stuck in that world where I was like, well, because I have been honest and I'm asking you to be honest, that is that my brand now, I've got to keep doing that. But then you're like, but you can't betray yourself. No, exactly. And I felt like I did actually a bit. But then that, and when you talk about that dance, I feel like I think about Lee and I in that episode and we danced, you know, because she was, she had given herself up publicly, you know, and that was a massive thing for her, you know, it's and like. And that's for her. Yeah. And that, because it is in the moment and it is on Instagram, which is mm. instant, yeah. or it is on your podcast, which can be edited, but is that going to affect the outcome? Mm. You still have to be able to sleep at night. Totally, and protect yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that is really hard because you have stepped into mm -hmm. this world now mm. and you're going to constantly be towing the line and going. More behind the scenes. Where is the behind this? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Chloe. I have a question for you. Since relocating to New York, how has that entered, entered, no, altered your sense of self? And for women considering moving to another state or country, what is your advice for meeting new people and finding your way? Like finding friends in your 30s is pretty hard. <laughs> um, okay, so the first part about New York, I'd always wanted to move to New York, but I wasn't sure how that was going to happen and it happened very spontaneously we we spoke about it in the podcast i was there for a job i was meant to be there for six days lost my passport the day i arrived um actually left it on the plane but we didn't find that out until a little bit later and um yeah so new york for all of us it's like romanticized by you know tv sex in the city mm. um film lyrics and songs and so I had this idea of what New York was going to be for me. Um, but then when I arrived and moved and did all of that very spontaneously, I was sort of thrust into this really uncom uncomfortable place. It's huge, like the, the size of New York in itself and the people and the scope of the projects that you're working on there and um, how fast everything moves. I really had to acknowledge how that me made me feel, which was really uncomfortable. And and it forced introspection, which it, I had to put myself under, uh, it was like a pressure cooker. It, mm. Like I had to look at myself, put myself under a microscope because to exist in that city and in that context, you have to be so sure of who you are. Um, so I had to do a lot of self work quickly and um, I would just say that from all of that, un it's almost like being comfortable while feeling uncomfortable mm. is, is what New York has done for me. Um, and just staying really true to you know, the things that I value. Mm. 
And then the part about making friends, um, I would say you just have to say yes to things. So when I lost my passport, Zanita Whittington, who is an incredible Australian influencer and a friend of all of ours, um, had just broken up. Uh, she just ended a relationship, Was had moved to the city, was alone and going out for a drink. And she said, hey, saw you that you were here. I know we don't really know each other, but do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> I was like, all right. And I ended up crashing a date that she was on. Um, and we had this like wild New York night, like started in a dive bar and then ended up in an amateur comedy club with her date and her date's brother. And then she's like, I'm looking at an apartment tomorrow and I just need someone with taste to tell me whether it's like nice. And I was like, all right, let's check out some New York real estate. And then we got there and it was a two bedroom apartment in the East Village. She's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can afford it on my own, like might need a roommate. Why don't you just move? And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and now Zanita's my roommate. And we live in New York together. And I think, obviously, be safe. <laughs> I knew Z was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just say yes. And then identify the people. It was that thing that you said about when you meet someone mm. and they've. If like, you're vibing. If, like that, when you feel that warmth. Mm. Like and sometimes make you them have your to friend. be a bit aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was she aggressive? No, I like. <laughs> anyway, it was orchestrated, but it was pure. Yeah. Because I was and like, we have to be friends. And yeah. people said, like you said before, making friends in your 30s is hard. I obviously have an incredible foundation of friends from the Central Coast. Like the people mm. that I have at home have been my closest friends since I was, 12, I was 12 years old. But I have also met so many incredible people since being in New York. I've only been there for two years that are of as much value to my life. Um, and it is just because you know, might have met them at an event or at a gallery or mm. a friend's Friendsgiving and felt a warmth and then invested in that. And I, I really do believe investing in your personal relationships and friendships um, as much as you do do your work, if not more. Yes. Mm -hmm. a and and yeah. that will lead to a very happy, fulfilled existence, mm. I think. That's great advice. Thank you. We are um, at time, but I'm going to keep going because <laughs> I still Maybe got good questions. Do you want to go? <laughs> no, <laughs> don't leave. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we have our cocktail hour, but we can just do less of that and more of this, I think. Um, Sarah, hello. Um, what are the skills that you've needed to learn fast running your own business? and what has blindsided you? I think when you have a, a self-made business or you're a startup, you actually have to learn everything really fast. So, but at the same time, we are so capable of doing that and you shouldn't be scared to learn everything you can and you are capable of learning everything. Um, it's the more of the mental shift that you have to learn quickly. And I think, um, I think it's trying to be that manager, mm. trying to lead a team when you're not super comfortable in that space as well. Um, I've obviously asked you for a ton of advice at every event. Mm. I'm like, so how do I deal with this situation? Um, but I'm like, yeah. so you have a one-on-one, -on -one <laughs> and then at the one-on-one -on -one you say, yeah. this, this, this. Super helpful advice. <laughs> um, so like, you have to learn everything fast, but. I think and things that blindside you 
are the things you'll what you like as you, you say you actually yeah. will not see it coming and I had the rug completely pulled out from under me um, and that's okay mm. you will feel when you when you then create the floor again and put the carpet down and all that kind of stuff you are so proud of yourself and mm. that's okay to you find this inner strength and you can get through it I think we've all been through something that's completely blindsided us and totally. the, the outcome of that, you are so thankful for that to happen, mm. even if you think it's the worst thing at the time and mm. it probably is the worst thing at the time and you might cry yourself to sleep or yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff will happen. Yeah. Do you know, I had, um, I was so stressed, I had um, eye migraines that made me like almost blind. Whoa. I was driving and I, I, I saw a doctor and everything's fine. But you get to a place where you're so stressed your and body you just your body's shutting down and it's mm. like take a breath mm. you need to survive why do we push ourselves there why? you know for who yeah oh my god for who and it's just a <laughs> business you know just chill i know we also kind of do it for ourselves yeah, yeah. Blind totally yeah. yeah which is my problem yeah um and i think that's the thing about startups or running a business is like the moment i realized you just have to surrender because the business and operating a business is just going to have its way with you. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You're just like, alrighty, like, <laughs> let me just try and survive, you know? But when I was in that process of trying to control, it, that's when it's like the stress I was putting on myself was unnecessary, you know? And just turning up every day and just going, what have you fucking got for me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you just tell yeah. the universe, all right, I'm ready. Yeah. Not really, but I'll take it on. <laughs> I'll take it on. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to do two more questions and then one question for everyone. Um, Billy. So some, a lovely person wrote in and said, Rush feels consistently fresh. Yes. Thank you. Um, but you've been with the brand for a long time. <coughs> what advice do you have for someone who doesn't hate their job? And I love this question, but is worried they're not growing. Because it's that whole concept of if you're happy somewhere, but you feel like everyone else yeah. is doing all this stuff, or maybe you're a bit worried, like, am I really learning things, but I really love it here? Mm. What advice would you have for them? I think, because I have been at Rush for a long time, um, and I think there's a few little points to touch on. I think going back to the idea of having it all, I actually do think it is possible, but your definition of all needs to be quite specific, and I think mm. for me that changes week to week, year to year, month to month, so, and maybe if your job is cruising along and you still love it, maybe your all is then focusing on personal relationships, romantic relationships, you know, um, your health, all those other things, and that can be your focus for that month, year, and then sort of reassess constantly about what is bringing you that joy. I think I'm lucky because I've always worked, well, you know, at Rush, I, it's a smaller company, so I think if you are happy in your job, don't sort of be defined by necessarily the parameters of what your job title is. Is there something else you could be doing in your job to sort of expand your skills? And you kind of just have to do that yourself. So is it maybe we should do an event, maybe we should, you know, partner with this brand, maybe we should, you know, and just kind of pushing yourself. And if you ask for those or basically give yourself those opportunities you know, n people are very unlikely to say, no, please don't do more work, <laughs> <coughs> you know. 
so I think looking at that and looking at ways you can sort of laterally move and sort of challenge yourself, I think you have to sort of take that on as much for yourself as anything else. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that sort of the idea of being happy in your job, you just sort of need to make sure that you're challenging yourself. And if you're not, but you're still happy, just sort of reassess that and then and then maybe a year down the track go, okay, I need to really scare myself now and do something scary and quit my job and, you know, and do the scary things. But that necessarily isn't always the answer. And, um, yeah, mm. not always. Some, mm. Sometimes it is. Well, Billy, like, counselled me for, like, 12 months. He's like, I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to leave. <laughs> no, I've decided, you know, I'm really happy where I am. And I wasn't <laughs> um, Eleanor. Um, some of the most <laughs> heartwarming feedback that we both received, and certainly probably you more than me, um, from your episode was from other multiracial women who heard their story in yours. And as we edge closer um, to brands and publishers featuring more diverse representations of beauty, I guess I would like to know what advice you would give those decision makers, like as somebody who's in a publishing position, but also as a multiracial woman mm. in beauty. And I think beauty especially, right? I mean, it goes into all sectors. But um, yeah, what would you ask of them and what advice would you have for them as we navigate further into that territory? Because, you know, we had a bit of a, a healthy debate at the end of mm. our episode that actually didn't make it in. Um, and that was purely time, not because... I didn't want to have a debate in There's there. Majority crying in our podcast. I know. It was like, well, we're not crying, so we're not putting it in. <laughs> um, but you know, I was saying to you, I'm really annoyed that yes. diversity is an initiative, yeah. and that it's hot right now. Yeah. Whereas you said, no, it's fucking great because it means we're talking about it, and it means it's you know change. It's affecting change. So yeah, I'd love to know what you think. Um, it's a really good question. I think, I mean, my advice I could give. Uh, to take what they will from it, but my advice I could give to publishers or, or brand executives is to look at consumers as people. Mm. They're just humans. I've never looked at another, and maybe, I don't know if this has got to do with the fact that I am biracial, but um, I've never looked at another person and seen the colour of their skin. Mm. I've never looked at another person and seen the shape of their eyes is different. I just look at them and think they're just another person. Mm. Um, and I know, yeah, we were talking about, you know, we're seeing a lot more diversity in it and, and I think what was getting on your nerves is that for you it felt like a trend that they were capitalising on. Totally. Well, clients would come to us and be like, we want to do an sure. Asian special and I'd sure. be like... You sure? But no. as someone who's half Asian, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. Because I haven't been catered to mm. for the you know the last few years of my life. When we would get sent press kits, I would get sent a foundation that was a porcelain mm. trade. Uh, I can't use that. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a yellow undertone. <laughs> um, and I think I, th I think it's great because it shows progress. Yeah. As as a society, as a beauty industry, it shows progress and it shows that we're moving in the right direction. Mm. We were scaling it back, and suddenly foundation colours were getting tighter and tighter and tighter, mm. and catering to perhaps you know the fairer complexions of the world. Then I would be concerned. Yeah, totally. Um, but you know, my opinion is just mm. one of many. Oh, I think it's so valid. And like as creators, publishers, as people who are con uh, creating content for women, that's what I think our duty of care is: is always on you know, stare it down. And, you know, I've done it so many times myself to even look at my team. You know, what does my team look like? Mm -hmm. 
you know, if I've got women who are writing stories for other women, are they able to dig in to those areas? And so can the audience see themselves in our content, actually? Because if everyone is white and blonde, no, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, thank you for that, because I wanted to talk about that because it hadn't made it into the episode. Um, so I've got one last question for everyone. Um, and I don't mind what order you go in. <laughs> um, what is the one thing, maybe we'll start with you actually, Zoe. What is the one thing you know now that you wish you knew in your early 20s? Just to buckle up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like life is equal parts brutal, beautiful and mundane and just ride them all. You can't just be seeking, you can't be a hedonist, you know, <coughs> and just be seeking constant pleasure and gratification. You kind of got to sit in that, you know, the monotony mm. and that heartache and be oh, somewhat okay with riding those waves because it's not going to just, it's relentless. Mm. So learn to have resilience, be kind, even when the world hasn't been kind to you, be even kinder. And um, yeah, be of service. I think that's really important mm. is to sit outside of yourself and be of service to others and whatever that means to you. Mm. Beautiful. Um, what advice would I give myself into my early 20s? I would tell myself, I would tell myself that life is going to get really, really hard, but it's going to also equally get better. Mm. And the closer you edge towards 30, and I don't know why there is that thing about 30, it's so good, um, you just, I'm going to find myself the older I get. Mm. And you also just... Have zero fucks given. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was I having this conversation with? I can't, it was amazing. And she was like, also, we have a baby here, which I'm so proud Best of. Best baby yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. She was like, can I bring him? Like, yeah, you can bring him. So good. Oh, so good. I'm so proud that you did that. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but she was like, you know, it's about always giving the fucks, but choosing who you give the fucks to. You know? Oh. Selective fucks. Selective fucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, well, I guess I would, sort of speaking to that, would be that it's okay to gently get rid of people or <laughs> friendships who are not yes. serving you. And that sort of, it comes with age, though, and, I, you know, at the time it seemed like fine to, you know, keep those people around. But I think it is, you know, I, I wish I'd learned that slightly earlier. And um, yeah. Mm. yeah, so good. So good. Gently move on, please. <laughs> With my help. Yeah. Um, mine would be to trust your gut, but you have to be in touch with you to really know what that gut feeling is. Sometimes it's really obvious. You're like, oh, this isn't a good idea and you should follow that. And then other times it's not so clear, but you need to kind of like find it because it's always in there. And I got that from Jeannie because mm. I've seen her once. I went to see her after the podcast after I listened to her. <laughs> and Yay, she Jeannie. made me like shuffle these cards and like pull this um, random card. And my card 
was um, I actually I dropped them on the floor. I think I picked them up again. <laughs> and then I like pulled out. I w- no, what I was doing when I was she's like just pick a random card. And I'm like shuffling them. I'm like oh, but I don't know which which one to pick. And she's like you do know. Like you just you do know. Just like pick one. And like the, the I didn't know what was on the card. So like saying I don't know which one to pick when you don't know what's on them anyway, and you don't even know why you're doing this. <laughs> Is like, of course you don't know what you're like, what card to pick. Like, anyway, so she was like, just pick one. So pick one. And the card that I picked said that my path in life is actually very clear and very straight, but I second guess myself too much. How weird is this? I was like freaked out. I was like, oh, this woman is like freaking me out. So she's like, the car- so yeah, your path in life is very, and you, the only thing that's going to stop you from getting where you want to get in life is from you um, not trusting your gut and second guessing mm. yourself. And I think that applies in like life and friendships like I've had you know when I was growing up and I was like teenager I used to like hang out with the cool groups I thought they were cool but they made me feel uncomfortable and there's a reason for that because they weren't my kind of people um and then in business like you know trusting that you have in you or like in like in career when you're like trying to decide what to do like trusting that you know what's best for you and not letting voices weigh in on that and mm. cloud your vision for where you should be. Um, advice for 20s. Mm. I know a lot of you are in your 20s. Um, I think it's just things don't go to plan and be really thankful for when it doesn't. Like when shit mm. is awful. Mm. When Um, when you go through an awful relationship a breakup a friend deserts you or a job you get made redundant or you get fired we've all been there like the worst things in life will then show you the next path and you'll just be so much stronger so much wiser so much then open to new opportunities and you'll be so open to what you your path should be so whenever Whenever that happens to you, say thank you, um, because it's all going to be fine. Mm. Yeah, that's what Jeannie taught me. Every time, thank you, thank you. No. Even when it's bad. What's yours? I wish I knew. So I'm incredibly extroverted. All of my energy comes from the people around me. On Myers Briggs, I think I get like 96% extroversion. Um, which has meant that I've always cast a really wide net. This is maybe contradictory to me saying yes to everything before, but this has helped me. So I've always kind of cast a net like this and let heaps of people in and like shared a lot. But by doing that, by casting a wide net instead of it having like quite well mm-hmm. gape, um, you have to then you let in a lot of trash and you've mm-hmm. got to sort through it, and that is so exhausting. And you give that's that sorting through the trash takes away from the curated people that really do value you and what you could be investing in them. So instead of a wide net, I would have kept it a lot more curated. Mm. I was like, should I do mine? Yeah, I was yeah. going yeah. oh. And I was like, shit, I didn't think of mine. Um, <laughs> so what do I know now that I wish I knew in my early 20s? Um, Look, I guess broadly, I wish I knew that it's predestined, that nothing I do I'm in control of. And so just same as you, like buckle up and like get on the boat and just sail, you know what I mean? It's like it, 
and and be a really um, I mean I think I have been but like be additive be interesting be interested mm. yep. um, be interesting so oh just be fucking interesting yes. have, have something to say or yeah think about what are you saying as well um, and take responsibility for that um, yeah and I just think like operating um, and you know my one of my mentors Jason taught me this like assuming everyone has the best interests um, and if they don't that they don't know better is a better place to operate from than assuming people are trying to do this to you or that they offended you for this reason because it's never about you. And I think I put myself through a lot of pain in my early 20s thinking it was about me and directed to me when it's really like, I've spoken about this before, but we're all walking around with so much pain and trauma and programming from our childhoods. And, and then we're just like vomiting that out into our lives all the time to everyone. And so it's like taking that responsibility again to like get to know yourself better so that you can at least be in touch with why you respond that way or why you react that way, um, why you're good at this and not at that. Um, so yeah, but I guess broadly just knowing that um, if I'd have known then that there was really nothing I could do to control anything in the path I was going to take, I probably would have relaxed and enjoyed my 20s a bit more <laughs> than I did because I think I gave myself a pretty hard time. Um, so. All right, you guys, um, please join me in thanking our um, amazing guests from um, season one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.